let's get started. So, uh, my name is Alex, and I'm here, and you're, you are? Emily. Here to talk about the killer and killers of the flower moon. Um, do you have any thoughts on the killers, the band? Yeah, yeah. I know we had kind of mentioned it a bit. Uh-huh. Um, it's funny that you brought them up, especially with this topic. Yeah. So for the longest time, my favorite song, like ever, I'm talking yeah. like a decade, was Mr. Brightside. Oh, yeah. Um, Classic. It's an amazing song. And even the mm. music video, I was obsessed with the Moulin Rouge for like the longest time. So I saw some mimicry there and just mm. loved everything about it. Um but it was funny because as I was looking into the albums, mm-hmm. um, I realized it, they're one of very, very few bands where I associated with liking them. And I really don't know a lot of their music. Like I even uh-huh. went to one of their concerts. Oh, did you? I did. I did. I think it was, I when? was looking 2017. Recently? Okay. So a little bit before the, the pandemic. Yeah. With the sole purpose of hearing them play Mr. Yeah. Brightside. <laughs> Did they play it? Okay, Alex, so it was funny. They didn't. They had to have played they it. They didn't. And then oh my and God. then they did for the encore. Okay. And I looked at it's my friend I went with. I was like, thank <clears throat> God, because that was almost a bust, you know? Yeah. I mean, they they must, I mean, I'm sure that brought out a huge roar, did it? Oh, absolutely. Where did you see him? Oh, God. Um, You know, it was the Eagles Ballroom okay, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a fun venue. Um, Yeah, that's where I saw my first concert in a venue. I saw No Doubt there. Oh, cool! Another Tragic Kingdom tour. It was a fascinating because, like, the the bathroom, the the men's bathroom had flooded. I don't know what it was, if like a sink got stopped up or something. But it was like walking into a war zone. It was like a half a foot of water flooded on the ground by the end. People were being carted out because it was so hot. Oh, Um, jeez! It was yeah. It was a fascinating venue. Um, yeah, Gwen Stefani. She's super young, so um, it's fun. So yeah, Killers, I was going through because they just released, I I thought maybe this would be a perfect synchronicity where they released an album called Rebel Diamonds not that long ago, like a week ago. I'm like, this is perfect, but it's a a greatest hits, which is fine. Um, And um, the thing I, I, I realized when I was listening to it is I was like, you know, the first five songs, I really think they, they just came out of the gates just flying with some hits with like Mr. Brightside. Jenny was a friend of mine. All these things that I've done. I got so but I'm not I got so but I'm not a soldier. 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 I got so but I'm not a
somebody told me. Well, somebody told me you had a boyfriend who looked like a girlfriend that I had in February of last year. It's not confidential. I've got potential. And when we were young. He doesn't look a thing like Jesus, but he talks like a gentleman. And I'm like, those are the best five songs. So it wasn't like I was going to be like, oh, here's the top five of killer songs. But yeah, I really, I mean, Mr. Brightside is probably a standard. It's funny to think like, you know, they, they maybe had their, their, all of their best stuff up front, but they did record a song that's probably going to be like a standard, you know, like, uh, I don't know, 150 <laughs> years from now. You know what I mean? Like what, the way we think of like, um, just like classics, yeah. Right, the, back the, on the classics. yeah, like here's like the 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 radio of like 1940s, and this will be like <clears throat> what 2000s? I guess that would be right, late 90s, early 2000s, right? Because it was both. You said when you were young. That's another really great mm -hmm. one. I think that was their second album. Okay, yeah, they had that on Sam's Town, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and uh -huh. it, that's an incredible song too. So, mm -hmm. but you're right. It, at least that's what I feel. You know, the first two albums were just incredible. Yeah, and they still they're great. And I even liked some stuff on their last album they made, mm -hmm. but it was just it almost felt like a different band. Yeah, I don't know. it's like a pop band. Yeah, yeah. So they do have, uh, I saw Lindsey Buckingham plays, he plays guitar that from Fleetwood Mac. He plays uh, on their song Caution. And I'm like, oh, they, they really could use, they miss some of that sort of great guitar play. Because obviously, they're, I feel like they're most associated with Brandon Flowers, their, mm -hmm. their lead singer, but uh, songwriter. But yeah, interesting band. Those, yeah, the, but those songs, they're, they're great. Their hits are awesome. Yeah. So fun. So I did also have a really quick list of songs that had the word killer in them. Here's top five. Can you can you think of any off the top of your head? And it's okay if you don't. It's putting you on the spot. But no, and it's funny because I probably <clears throat> do, but nope, not right now. Okay. So songs not with killer, but with kill. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. Because you have like, like Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunny Men, but that's not and Killing Me Softly, uh, songs like that. But I was like, I was the wanted. All would have the word killer in them. So there's a number five. By car seat headrest, drunk drivers slash killer whales. It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. Killer whales. Killer whales. It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be uh, number four, Killer by Phoebe Bridgers. Killer, killer me, tame the fire new. Is there nothing left to do for us? I am sick. Number three, Killer Queen by Queen. She's a killer queen, got that agility, dynamite with a laser beam, guaranteed to blow your mind.
And then number two, Killer by FKA Twigs, the soul singer from, from England, I think. Uh, really love her. Dancing in the dark, I can feel it in my heart, you're a killer. But I didn't want to call it something in the way you put your hands on my face, pull me nearer. No, I never want to call it, didn't want to call it, didn't want to call it. Took your love for righteous and now I'm in a crisis with a killer. And then Psycho Killer by Talking Head. Psycho Killer, qu'est-ce que c'est? Okay, those are all good. BB Bridgers, I should have thought of that. Her whole album that she has that on is just the first one. Awesome. I love that one. You know, that's the the album I think I liked the best of hers. And then I liked her second one. That's when she kind of got famous. And I didn't <clears throat> I didn't like that one as much as the first one, but it was still good. It's still really good. And then I haven't really I haven't really connected with the band where she's like a kind of super group boy genius. I just yep. like, they're okay. But they're good, but I don't know. It's that first album. I wouldn't even call it country i'm not a huge fan of country but it has this almost yeah. vibe to it it's not yeah. quite indie not quite country it has an awesome sound though that's a good that's a good point because she's such a storyteller in mm-hmm. her songs her songs often have like plots yeah there's like something going on where there's a whole like uh scott street i think there's a song and there's um yeah she's got like a tom Bet- petty vibe which yes, he does have yeah. a kind of country rock kind of feel to him she's a great storyteller um Great voice. Her songs are often sad, but kind of uplifting sad. There's kind of a, a warm, um, yeah, cathartic kind of sadness right. to her, her music, especially that first song or that first album. Okay, so I think we, I, I thought we could start with Killer first just because that's the one I saw first too. Actually, I don't know if it is or Killer versus Killers of the Flower Moon, but you saw it first, and I just think it's a fun one to talk about. I realized as I was preparing for this a little bit, just trying to re- refresh my memory, and like I was saying to you earlier, like reading some of the lines from the movie, it was just, it was making me laugh. Did, did you find the movie funny? Oh, yeah. No, it was, yeah, okay. it was dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's what I would probably label it as. Um, I don't know if that's the French humor uh, or I notice a lot of movies like that that tend to have a French base to it or writing style. The comedy does tend to be a little bit more dry or dark. Yeah, that's a good, you know, it's funny that, when I saw that, I'm like, this is this really makes me think of The Stranger. Mm-hmm. I bet you Emily would like this. Um, we could talk about it for, on the podcast. And then I've discovered after that that it was based on a graphic novel series by a French That's French, author. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. So, But it's directed by David Fincher. It went straight. Well, not. I think there was a limited release, but it was pretty much watched on Netflix. So stars um, Michael Fassbender in the title role. I don't think he has a name. Similar to, um, well, he has a bunch of names that are like no, aliases. No, right, right. No, but he I don't think he has. He doesn't have like a name. It's just sort of stranger like too, doesn't he? He doesn't have a name, does he? Did the stranger or does the stranger have a name? I think he does, but I. Oh wait, it yeah, he almost does. blends in with mother, which is I, kind of ironic. Um, yeah, I feel like. I, is, what am I thinking of? Anyway, it does, he doesn't I, have oh, a name in there, of, um, though. What's it? I'm thinking of ending things. That's when we talked about where the character. Yes, that, that is does, nameless. The, the character doesn't have a name. Um, yeah. Okay. But 
Yeah, so Michael Fassbender, there's other people in it too, notably Tilda Swinton. Um, so yeah, what 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 are your what are your thoughts on the killer? What what was your feeling watching it? I really liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, when you first go into it, you don't you don't know what's going on. Um, uh-huh. It's kind of this bizarre stream of consciousness, yeah. um, which I think added to his character because you really don't get a lot of humanity from him. Right. Um, I know that when me and you talked about it initially, you were comparing it to, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember like the graphic novels. Um, but when I was watching, mm. I'm like, God, it's almost borderline like American Psycho. Yeah, for meets, sure. It's like Sin City or Fight Club, I think is what yeah. you said. Right, because it's the same director mm-hmm. and it's got a similar kind of voiceover. There's so much voiceover in this. You, yeah. That's what I got, though, even just from the beginning, uh-huh. which I really liked. Right. Um, because his character, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say he's sociopathic but definitely well, socio-apathetic yeah i mean definitely that i mean both it's funny because both movies in a way deal with sociopathy or sociopaths yeah. i think uh so right there's there's a and and david fincher the director does have a history with um sociopaths and serial killers uh he did the the incredible Netflix series Mind Hunter, um, unfortunately, stopped at two seasons. I don't think it got much of an audience for how much money they were spending on it. That's one where I wish they would just put it because it's so well done. I think it's going to last. Have you ever seen Zodiac? You know, it's funny. I did a project on the Zodiac Killer, but no, I've never actually seen mm-hmm. the film or anything like that. Okay, yeah, and I mean, even things like um, even Social Network has a kind of. There's a kind of sociopath. Don't you think a little bit to like Zuckerberg? And oh, to yeah. The, um, Absolutely. I think there's major commentary on that. So just right. this disconnect even. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, but um, I sort of lost my train of thought with what I was saying about that. But he's kind of interested in, in that stuff. And I think sometimes his movies have been a little bit, whether it's like Fight Club or it's these movies like That Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, there's a darkness to him, a kind of thriller, the kind of the king of the thriller, really the American thriller, in the 21st century, kind of, um, you know, Hitchcockian. Even like The Killer has a kind of rear window start to oh, it. Yeah. Have you seen Rear yes, Window? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, there's obviously an homage there too. But he's, I think, sometimes been criticized because his stuff is kind of nihilistic. And it's like, oh, you're making this almost like a, uh, it's like you're showing how to be a serial killer and stuff like that. And I think he's, he was almost, he's such a reactionary in some ways. He's like, I'll, I'll show you a movie that's like a how-to, uh, how to be a serial killer. And the guy is literally <laughs> in his voiceover being like, this is what you're going to want to do. Like, you know, he's like, yeah. here's how you do it. <laughs> right, he had fun with it. It's true. Yeah, because... Well, yeah, I don't know. I'd almost say it was like more noir. Like I, I wouldn't say. Really? Okay. Yeah, I okay. would. There's a borderline like, I don't know. It almost felt like watching an older film mm-hmm. in a more modern setting. It does. It does feel that way. I mean, even the Les Samurai, which is kind of based on another Hitman film by Melville. But like, yeah, Hitchcock. There are. You're right. There is a kind of classical movie by way of like modernity and there are all these touches with modernity in the movie kind of comical touches but yes. also that add to 
um, that, that place it in a way like this is somebody who, this guy uses Amazon too. You know, this guy, you know, he, he uses FedEx. He, he goes to McDonald's, you right. know, for the anonymity of the kind of modern corporation where like, he's not going to go to some place where they're like, do you recognize this person? No one's going to recognize him going to McDonald's because they don't care. It's like this anonymous place. He's right. like, it's perfect. You go there, you get your, like whatever he says, eight gram, how many grams of protein <laughs> or whatever, and just tosses away the like bread. It's so funny. I love him cross-legged eating his McDonald's on the Paris burger. bench. Right? Yeah, on yeah. the bench, like like doing his recon or whatever. It's <laughs> right. just so funny. Oh my God. Yeah, it's really good. It, and he's in in the beginning in an abandoned WeWork, which ha- is this kind of corporation, which this corrupt corporation, which pretended to be uh, like, you know, for charity and just stole money from people. Like, you know, all these, he's, he's got so many... L- acknowledgements I, I tried to note them down like re, that are listed sometimes just sort of funny things like where he mentions wordle he mentions storage wars at some point um oh right when he's in the storage and he's like if someone were to open yeah, mine yeah, yeah. I'm, he, he would love to see the expression on the, right. of the person <laughs> who opens his storage facility he's got the thing where i've done my ten thousand hours it's just like a malcolm gladwell reference like that's how you become an expert uh, it's kind of the, all this self-help kind of stuff. Um, he mentions Popeye. Popeye had it right. I am what I am, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's McDonald's, Postmates, FedEx, Google, Amazon, Uber, WeWork, Airbnb. He talks about, well, I can't do Airbnb. People with like the with their like cameras or whatever right. <laughs> can't stay there. Um, DoorDash, his Apple Watch. He relies on his Apple Watch a lot for like getting his heartbeat down and all you know, all this these, like all these modern conveniences and touches that are kind of like like oh yeah, I I can connect I with this. like I use this I whatever, but also it's just funny how it's like oh this helps me be a killer. So well, no, but even the like what would Jesus do? How yeah, he's like what would John Wilkes? Booth yeah, do? the WWJWD or whatever it was, yeah. it, or WWJWBD. What would John Wilkes? Do? <laughs> it's like oh my god. <laughs> uh but he does he does have a certain it's funny because you're right he does it's hard it's both hard to get to know him but also he just can't stop talking so you do get to know his personality in a way um and i i it's funny because some people are like oh it's kind of boring and i was hooked immediately i'm like this guy isn't incredible he's hilarious uh his observations are funny like um and just where he talks about Paris and he's, he's like a, a jet setting, like, oh, Paris awakens in, 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 <laughs> yes. in a different way from all these other <laughs> other countries that I don't like as much. Or, or when he gets to New Orleans, I think that's where they have that fight scene. I'm not sure. Uh, but New Orleans, where he says, oh, ah, yeah. ah, New Orleans, lovely, humid New Orleans, a thousand restaurants, one menu. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... It's so factual to the point where yeah. it's... But also has his commentary where he's like, yeah, you're right. It is factual for sure. He does. You're right. That's but the kind it of killer. Through. It does like like is a kind of wry observation like that. It has this great this food culture, famous food culture. But it, he's basically saying like it's all kind of the same, even though or they offer the same stuff. Probably is what he's saying. I've never been to New Orleans. Have you ever been there? I have. Yeah, twice. Okay. So. Okay. Did you like it? I did, and the food was amazing. But yes, everywhere you went, depending yeah. on the season, it's the same exact menu. Right. So that okay. was funny to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been to Paris, so right. um, yeah. So that was. I thought that was really well done. Where he's making all his observations, but um, 
And then when he does accidentally kill the person, like while he's like talking, <laughs> so like, it's like, oh man, he should have been paying attention. Uh, I, I did kind of almost recoil like, oh, you made a mistake. Or, you know, like I felt bad <laughs> right. for him. Or I'm like, oh no. Like the way you, you make an error, how you're, I, so I was obviously on board with whatever was going on. I felt like, oh shit, like he's made, you made a mistake. Right. Um, like, you have to get out of there, you know? And so but as he tried to escape, I was like, oh, I was nervous for him. Like, it's so funny. He's right. like this killer, but I was totally on board with him. Uh, like, I wanted him to get away. Uh, so it, it's fascinating, that kind of thing. You don't get to know who he's targeting, I suppose, but. No, yeah. I think that's a really excellent point because you do kind of bond with him in the first five minutes mm. i think it's also because you have his perspective right and no matter you know you put him in the place of being an assassin but the people he's assassinating or the people he's watching or interacting with throughout the film they're they're not really in any better light than he is right. so it's kind of like um i don't know mm-hmm you can't help but side with him a little in certain situations or understand mm -hmm. his situation. And there are moments throughout the movie, and it'd be interesting to go back and really, like, really analyze it the way you would for, like, an essay or a paper or something and be like, well, here is a, a moral. That's a moral statement, what you just made. Like, that is a, as much as you're talking about forbidding empathy, like, just be a machine. Like, he has the moments, like, when he um, does kill that one woman who, for her health insurance, or her, for her life insurance, for her family, makes it look like an accident. So, like, he obviously, there's, like, a, a morality there, um, and, cause he, and he has this comment, too, like, in the beginning, which is funny, but also tells you something about his character, where he says, of the many lies told by the U.S. military-industrial complex, my favorite is still their claim that sleep deprivation didn't qualify as torture. And that's, like, both funny and kind of as a wry observation, but 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 also tells you something like he's like, oh, God, this is torturous because you're, you're, it's, you can't sleep. I bet you his sleep schedule, like, oh, my <laughs> sleep schedule's off. You can see him kind of complaining when he's on the phone talking to whoever is in charge of the hit, being like, I'll give it another day or two or whatever, and then smashes the phone and kicks it into the gutter. <laughs> um, but he's like, then I'm done. But, Yeah. And other things, you know, pretty nihilist, of, of those who like to put their faith in the inherent goodness of mankind, I have to ask, based on what exactly? <laughs> it's, I don't know. There's so many of these. I, I could literally just sit here and read them, and they're just so fun to to talk about um, and think about, really. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. I definitely think that a lot of the stuff he says, if it doesn't have a basis of truth, skims the line. Right. Um, and I think that's part of his character kind of slowly losing his right. mind Tr as the film's yeah. going. Right. And because there's other things he says where I'm like, oh, I don't really, I don't agree. I mean, it's like any kind of nihilist or like where you can like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Or like, I agree. I, I almost agree with that. Or like, I don't agree with that. Or I do agree with that. Um, or there's, you're right, there's like some truth to it. I like, I love, because some parts I'm like, wow, that's, I, I really like that. It, where he said the, it's the idle hours that most often lead a man to ruin. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that there's, a, there's a lot of like about boredom and waiting. I kind of, um, I don't know, a modern ennui, you might say, that I think the film really captures with, <laughs> with his character. Uh, yeah, it's great. 
from the beginning of history, the few have always exploited the many. That's that's probably true. Where he says, it, "This is the cornerstone of civilization: the blood in the mortar that binds all bricks." It's kind of poetic too, it is. don't you think? It's no, kind of poetic. It definitely is, and I I felt that. I think that's why I kind of compared it a little bit to American Psycho. Yeah. Um. God, I'm trying to remember the author of that. Even. Um. Yeah. What is his name? Oh my gosh. Is it Ellis? Yeah. But basically with that, that's such poetic apathy. Like that whole book, that whole film is just incredible. And he can go from being completely guttural and and horrific to Mm -hmm. beautiful poetry. So there was some of that in there for me. And he makes kind of wry pop culture observations too. He's talking about Huey Lewis in the news and he loves their early, or he doesn't like their, their early stuff. Maybe it's a little too new way for him. I think he says something like that. So... Yeah, it's right funny. before he kills everyone, he has these beautiful speeches of the music he's listening mm-hmm. to, and then he'll be like, "As it says, right here on the back right. cover." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right, yeah, and that you're right, and the tone of that one is very similar. It's that kind of very dark comedy. Yeah, um, yeah. I love his look too, based on like a German. <laughs> he says oh, based right. on a, a German tourist because nobody wants to look at <laughs> a German tourist. And I don't know, I can't remember what exactly the line. Like Parisians avoid them like the rest of the world avoids street mimes. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. You're right. That was yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And his when we mentioned this earlier, we were just chatting, but like about how he's kind of he's you know he's kind of disappointed or he feels a kind of restlessness maybe in his job too. And maybe he's almost like that's what leads to some of uh, like a lack of focus in this moment. You know, like if he, if he were more locked in, he's like trying to tell himself, you got to stay locked in. But he's like struggling to do this. It's almost like he's trying to convince himself more than you, the listener. He's like, you know, you got to do this. And I think anybody who's been in a job can kind of relate to that. Like, yeah, that that's you're kind of that's another thing, too, where that's like it, he's going through what it's like to do his job. And there's plenty of parallels with any kind of job with what he's talking about. Um, so, yeah, I lost it here with what he was going to say. But he, where he laments some of, like, losing some of the juice, so the, kind of the excitement in his life where he says, somehow jobs that are designed to rattle a cage are always the most tedious. <laughs> I've actually grown to appreciate proximity work, is what he says, staged accidents. Gradual poisonings. <laughs> Anything with a little creativity. When was my last nice, quiet drowning? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it is it is like poetry to read this. It is so fun. It is such fun writing. Um, and that's such a, like a dark sentiment, but also kind of funny. And like, he's like, oh, he just misses <sighs> the fun of he his. Does, like he does. He does. There was a reason he got into it. <laughs> You know, and now he's like, what is it all worth? Yeah, he's going through like his midlife crisis. He's like, gosh, I I don't feel connected to this work anymore. I don't know what it is. Right. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, his process. And there's that point where he says, my process is purely logistical, narrowly focused by design. I'm not here to take sides. It's not my place to formulate any opinion. No one who can afford me needs to waste time winning me to some cause. I serve no God or country. I fly no flag. If I'm effective, it's because of one simple fact. And then it kind of stops there. And I, I do think in the movie, David Fincher actually comes in and says that line where he says, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and that's, I think, him, because I think he's been kind of 
called cold and clinical in his style. And he's like, yes, this is like, it's kind of like, it's almost like this is who he is. You know, he's building up in, you know, in some ways his mythology while also kind of like, I don't know, reacting. He's kind of reacting to people criticizing him. Like, you know, which feels very modern too in a certain way. Like, like you'll be criticized instead of withering. He's like, I will give you to you more. You know, because like you know, I which I appreciate. I I want someone who's uh, like not gonna just wither under criticism. Is gonna be like, I'm gonna do what I want to do. You know, that's what you want. I think with creative people, whether or not you like it or you don't, you don't want them to kind of kowtow too much to criticism. You want them to kind of like follow your muse, like do what you like, um, whether or not people like it or not. So no, it was a love letter to yeah. his audience. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's true. Oh man, so good. So anyway, um, and then I guess, I don't know if there's anything else you'd, you'd want to say about, did you, did, you know, you'd mentioned at one point that you liked the fight scene. I've heard other people say that too. I thought it was, okay, did you like the fight scene? I did. What I did, did you like about I, it? Okay, so this is my reasoning. Um, I loved the bizarre mm-hmm. placement of it. It was uh-huh. so comical to me to have him go up into this house mm-hmm. and the dog sleeping. And then the scene where he, obviously can't match this guy or he feels he can't match this guy because he's triple his height and right huge you know exactly and he grabs the cheese grater right yeah and he looks so confident with it until he looks at it again he's like what am i doing with he this? uses it though he, he does. distracts him he does and yeah. i just i don't know i felt like that summarized the gratuity of the film in yeah. a way that whole scene um it wasn't that it was particularly i don't know like that added to the film or not. Right. Um, but I think it was a good it was representation. Brutal, it yeah. was brutal, but his character got the job done. And I yeah. think it was a moment where no matter what he's <clears throat> showing, he's going to get the mm-hmm. job done. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, man, his DNA is going to be all over the place. You know, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, like you know, because of the fighting, even outside, he's going to be dripping blood and whatever. But, you know, it's that's fine. But uh, I was wondering too, I'm like, well, his is going to be all over. And then he blows up. I'm like, well, that kind of takes care of it. But... Um, and I, I think leading up to that too, there's a bunch of them kind of carousing enough to have drunken night out. And he's like, Oh, I hope they don't have a sleepover. Or something <laughs> <Yes>. like <that." laughs> oh man. Again, just the kind of the funny kind of wry commentary that goes along with everything. Um, but yeah, I definitely wanted him to, and he, he doesn't kill the dog. He could no. kill the dog. He doesn't though. It's like he gives the dog enough to put it to sleep. Not enough. In fact, Right, you know, because it's a big dog. Yeah, and yeah. there's parts where he's like, yeah, I think he's kind of like, you never know the size. He's like, this is kind of a, a guessing game where he's <laughs> like, I don't know how much to give it. But uh, the dog did no harm, right? The dog right. wasn't involved. Right, exactly. And the dog survives. So yeah. the dog races after him, doesn't doesn't die. So there is, again, there's that. I don't, I'm don't. i trying to think of what else there there is or, or would be to, to talk about with this. I mean, I guess Tilda Swinton, that... There are parts when I think the the first time I did watch it twice because I watched it on my own and then I was like I bet you my wife would like this so I watched it with her and she really liked it and I could kind of pay attention to certain parts a little bit more because I'm not like just following along with the thrill of like what's going to happen and everything else I kind of would pay attention to and that scene I remember watching with Tilda Swinton at the end there where he confronts her in the restaurant because he's kind of systematically I guess he's because he's doing this all as a revenge for the his, I don't know, his partner or his girlfriend. His I think she's supposed to be a partner, but yeah. it's never fully it's not. disclosed in the film. So Yeah. 
and he did a good job. I did feel like his connection when he went to see her after she'd been like, what, tortured for information, it seemed like, regarding his whereabouts, I guess. And she's kind of like, I didn't tell them anything. You'd, be, you'd have been so proud. Proud of me, yes. <laughs> but yeah, and he basically, it's a revenge story, really, the whole thing. He goes to about to kill people who did this to her, I guess. Right, right. Or into him and to try to cover his tracks. So I guess the the last two scenes are kind of like with him and Tilda Swinton. And I, you can tell with their conversation, there's so much subtext to everything they're saying to each other. So I really appreciated that one on second watch. Um, just all the kind of the history um, as these are both experts in their field, you know, and it's a life or death situation. So the stakes are high. So, yeah, it's just really kind of fun with two really gifted actors. So Yeah, definitely. The Last Supper scene is kind of yeah. how I saw it. But yeah, she's an amazing actress. I was really excited to see mm-hmm. her in that. Um, and she's in such odd things. So I was I was right. happy to see her do this. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting scene between the two of them because you finally get an idea, you know, of someone who's really just like him. Mm-hmm. In his own right, because everyone he's been dealing with doesn't seem to match his expertise. Right. Um, and here he meets her, and she's like, oh, it's time. You never know when it's going to happen right. until it's there. And she even tries to get him right, right before he kills her. So Yeah. She does. She writes. She, so they're on this a similar playing level, but at the same time, she also... I think offers him like a contrast of like what his life could have been or how your life can be different. Cause she, she's like out in the world and like, she's not trying to be anonymous at all. She seems to have a relationship with the, the wait staff. She's like enjoying great food, you know, she's enjoying great wine. And, you know, so she's, um, seems to be like enjoying the, like she what he, comes he, with the job almost yeah, yeah. yeah and he doesn't he make a mention of her house too like oh it's not like what i would have thought it's almost like he's trying to be super not and i guess that's almost anonymous in its own way too like you're in some suburban enclave or something like that but she you know he seems to be kind of find his way through it and I imagine all of them get into it maybe she says this too where she's like you know you, you kind of trick yourself into thinking it's just for the money but then you keep doing it after you're financially secure so yeah i guess anybody maybe that's why these movies keep being made or these stories keep being told or why true crime is fascinating particularly serial killer stories because what it is it that makes these people tick is a kind of a fascinating detective story to kind of get to the heart of who these people are they're often unique the way artists are like why did this person why is this person the way he or she is you know what i mean it's kind of um an interesting thing to try to unpack um and each of them are have kind of the similarities with what they do with their job, but they're, they're like their own brand. You know, it's like meeting True. here's another here's another director I'm meeting. This 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 person, oh, look at this person. No, this person like, lives totally different than I do. It was like do. seeing beer next to champagne. Like yeah. the way that they interacted right. was so You're incredible. Right. That's a good combo you know? or, or a good analogy because they're like both are alcohol, but they're very different. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. Good. Any final thoughts on on this one before we go on to the next one? I will mention that I did pick up the graphic novel just because I was curious. Um, And it was interesting because watching the movie, I absolutely loved it, but I felt like I was missing something. Like I had almost jumped in halfway Mm -hmm. um, for certain situations. And it was interesting reading it because at least in the first volume that I'm getting through, um, 
the idea is that he really is kind of descending into this state of losing okay. his mind. Yeah. Um, and he's just going to crack any mo- moment, which is mm-hmm. why he has to keep kind of reeling himself back in. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the comedy, I think, with the heart monitor. Oh, right. Or the, the watch. And yeah. what the idea is, it's pretty similar, but it's the idea that he had taken a job to make some money to hurt someone, mm-hmm. accidentally kills them, gets addicted to the lifestyle because of the money that comes with it because he's actually paid more for accidentally killing the person. (laughs) And then as he decides to retire, everyone who he's worked for comes back to kind of nitpick his life apart. Oh, okay. So it's a little different. A little, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Are you enjoying it or? I am. I mean, the character, I like his character quite a bit and the tone Mm. is completely the same. Okay. Yeah. So it's a similar kind of nihilistic comical tone. Yes. Okay, so now let's go on to Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is an epic Western crime drama directed by Martin Scorsese. Scorsese? Scorsese? I, I think it's Scorsese. Scor- I'll say Scorsese. <laughs> so that's how I learned it when I was younger, but I sometimes will hear people say Scorsese. Maybe that's like the Italian pronunciation. Uh, but So Scorsese, who co-wrote this script with Eric Roth, it's based on the 2017 nonfiction book by David Gran, which we've both read. Uh, movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, and Jesse Plemons, amongst a larger ensemble. The Killer, we should say, I guess, is, is a much smaller movie. It's almost all like I think. Yes. I think. Um, uh, I mean, Fastbender might be in every scene. Yeah. No, you're right. It is. It's a smaller cast, and yeah. Anyway, but um, and it's a so Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, the late Robbie Robertson composed the score. And uh, it's like a three and a half hour movie, so it's a it's a big big movie. Uh, I saw that in the movie theater. Um, what do you think of this movie? I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. I had been wanting to see it, kept putting it off. You know, it's mm-hmm. a larger film too, so it's yeah. it's a commitment to sit down and sure. like you know find the time to watch it. Um, and I think they did a really good job at following the story. I think there were three things that stood out to me where I was like, mm-hmm. that's kind of a major difference. Okay. Um, like and not necessarily better or worse. Well, like uh, Molly, right? Going mm-hmm. to see, who is it? Coolridge. Um, she never went and met the president. Oh. So I thought that was like. In, in the book? Yeah. Yeah. Does she not go to DC? No, she never does. No? Mm-mm. And that was just such a big yeah. plot point for me because she's such a strong character and she's a strong person. And I felt like they were trying to portray that maybe not necessarily in like in the best, most straightforward way. She was so scared to leave her house. Like the one place she was going was to church and she even mm-hmm. stopped going there. Um, so she had never left. It was strictly Hoover creating mm-hmm. a mapped out plan to make him look really good mm-hmm. by tackling a case that was going on which is how the FBI became a thing by sending mm-hmm. white and a yeah. couple agents to come and check this out. I mean, that's the big difference. I, I mean, the book is a much more, it's a procedural, right. like a kind of about the creation of the FBI and how, and so you get much more about Hoover and white um, about his, like his life and his upbringing and the, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, but I guess I could, you, you know, you're not making like a TV mini, mini series. I mean, I do have, um, I don't know. Like, I, I really liked the movie too. I thought I was found it really moving um, while I was there, a particular time in my life when I was watching it. But I just her, I guess I would say Lily's p- 
power, um, or wait, I'm sorry, Molly, Lily Gladstone is the, is the actress, I should say Molly's the character. And so I have like a, a back and forth on, on whether or not this character, because um, I think she does give a good performance, but I found myself like, is it a great performance? Because she doesn't have like a ton to do. You know, she's got to, she's, she has to express it all almost like while she's kind of, she's kind of sick and she's being poisoned, you know, for a portion, portion of the, the movie. And she's, she's kind of homebound. You see her at home or you see her sitting. Um, you don't see her doing a lot. You know what I mean? And so I, I, I mean, in some ways I, I sort of sympathize with like, how do you portray this character's strength? Because, I mean, we only can do with what we were given in the movie. But I'm trying to think in the book if she somehow, if there was some sort of detail that could have fleshed her out and given her a little bit more to do. But, I mean, I, I found her kind of quiet power um, moving. And I don't know if, there's, if I was, like, thinking about it today. And I was like, am I misremembering this? Am I conflating with something else where she's, like, talking? She basically seems, like, resigned to her fate um, in a way that I found really moving in the movie theater. I was, like, um, like she accepts it and the, the actress has like a lot has a, an intelligence to her which is conveyed without saying anything to and in, in the way she but um so the character kind of embodies this intelligence but at the same time we're also shown all these kind of bumbling people around her and i'm like how did i'm i was just a, i had all these questions like what is go i didn't totally understand how you know how it was working i'm like how does she not see it or i don't know so i go back and forth on that like um I, I don't totally understand. It seems like they loved each other. Um, but even even Ernest, like so much of it focuses on him. That's Leonardo DiCaprio's character. So much focuses on it. And I, I don't really understand what was go, what's going on. Like, I don't, like, what is he, what does he actually think? Like, I guess there is the point where he's kind of like, um, he they portray him like in this kind of way, the metaphor where, like uh, Hale gives him this book about the Osage, like read about the Osage. Do you like, can you read? Or like, do you like books? <laughs> right. Or he says something, he's like, and he's like, I know how to read <laughs> or whatever. So he gives him like a kind of children's book or, and, and he's like reading it slowly and, and says, and it's like, a, can you spot the way you would read a book with a child and be like, can you spot the wolves in this picture? And it's like, well, that's a kind of obviously a metaphor for him in this story too. Like he can't, like, I don't know if he can spot the wolves in the picture or he maybe he can I don't know or do you know like I don't understand no his you character. you have expressed the thing that I had like not not an issue with because it's an amazing movie like, yeah I loved the movie yeah so it's hard to almost critique the the right. things I have about, right but right. that is my issue with Ernest's character and it being subtly through his perspective yeah um the problem and i love that scene where he's like mm -hmm. can you spot the wolf in the picture and then immediately i think it's his brother byron mm -hmm. enters and they go to rob a group of osage right and that was such an incredible yeah jump to another scene for me yeah because that's where i was like well he's he he seems like conflicted but he's also obviously doing these crimes and killing people or participating in robbing and killing he's not that dumb you know like I well don't. and that was my biggest issue they made him simple in the film mm -hmm. they decided to make him simple and i almost felt like that created a danger for creating sympathy mm -hmm. for him which i yeah. don't think yeah is I, deserved see that's where i'm like i don't that's why i didn't understand maybe that maybe you're kind of like helping me put together like if he's so simple and 
and Molly is so sharp. I don't understand how she right. it, how she doesn't see through him. And that's the thing. There was no what reading the whole book, um, yeah. Grand's book. There was never any discussion like he was an unintelligent man, Mm -hmm. um, that there was an inequality in their understanding and judgments. They Mm -hmm. sounded like a pretty great couple. Um, and I do think they loved each other. I I don't think that that was a question in Mm -hmm. reality film book. Um, but my issue is that I think that Ernest was a fearful man. Mm -hmm. I think that he was a man of opportunity, Mm -hmm. um, when it came to, any type of gain, whether it be money, women, excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that portrayal in the beginning scene when he gets off the train and there's a brawl happening and he just kicks his way into it real quick before he mm-hmm. leaves. And I think he's all about opportunity, mm-hmm. um, which I think was at first depicted really, really well in the film. Even him screaming, I love money and putting all the stolen right. rings and jewelry in and then them losing it. Mm-hmm. But I also think that by making him have a lack of intelligence, um, or ignorance in the mm-hmm. film was a dangerous move because yeah. he was ignorant to certain things, such as in real life in Molly's insulin. It It is unknown even today if there was poison being put in it or not. Right. Um, but the Schoen brothers, I mean, they were behind a lot of the cover-ups, such as removing the bullet from Anna's skull. Um, and I think it was more probable that he didn't even know if he did that there was poison being put in her booze or food or mm-hmm. drink. Right, because they, I guess they leave it open in the movie where it seems like like Hale, the character Robert De Niro, will basically tell him without telling him, like he'll intimate all these things, like she's got to die soon without really saying that, like, you know, you know it's going to be Molly's turn soon or like, you know, whatever he says, um, to Ernest, and he can see he kind of understands, at least as it's portrayed in the movie, I'm saying. Um, he kind of understands, but also doesn't totally, and, and you're right, because it's like, um, I don't know how it would be would be done differently or how it actually was. We don't, you know, we don't know. But like, um, if he, if the conflict would have been something different, I'd, it, it really seems like they're trying to set up a kind of um, tragedy of the family or the marriage, you know, in a way, like it's like they loved each other, but, oh, they, you know, I don't know what, wanted money too much or was under the thumb of his uncle or wasn't strong enough or whatever the case may be. But it doesn't totally, like, it's like not all the pieces locked together. I think it, on their own, watching it, like, the sort of the energy of the movie, especially in the beginning when it's, like, moving and we're, like, the, where the Osage discover the oil and they're kind of being, like, covered in this goop you're like oh man this is like like covered in blood kind right. of thing you know and the kind of rise to riches kind of the energy of things is is, is exciting and the, and the score at that point too has a lot of energy kind of pushing through but yeah there's the parts where the the, the various members of the tribe are being killed or whatever where i'm just like it's it was like it was kind of like the same thing and it got a little bit more inert that's where i was like i didn't it's almost like it did i didn't totally know where it was going or maybe it, it felt a little bit not as sure of itself but then when white comes on the scene that the uh the fbi guy it does seem to like oh now you have a kind of uh resistant force you know so that can help create some drama but you're yeah like the i don't totally understand the portrayal maybe that's maybe that's okay maybe that like is room for interpretation but i i'm as i thought about it i was like i don't i don't get 
I don't, it's, it, was not, it wasn't like an ambiguity that I was like, oh, I should think about this. <laughs> it, was, it was almost like a little clunky or something. I don't know. No, I agree. And Molly's character too. I mean, they're fantastic actors and actresses. That mm. wasn't the issue right. to me at all. Um, but yeah, I think it was hard because, you know, you're going to have an interpretation because history has mm. happened, sure. right? You only have what you, what mm-hmm. you can look at. Um, but even Molly's character, she's such a strong her recordings of her were marked as being very, very strong. Mm. People tended to think of her as a very strong person. Mm-hmm. Um, and even almost a backbone to her family, uh, mm-hmm. which is another interesting thing with her mother having Anna yeah. as a favorite. I thought that was kind of an interesting it is. choice. You're right. You do get a little bit of a character there where she goes to be with her mom to help her her mom's looking for Anna and she's like, I'm here. She's like, where's Anna? And, she, and she's like, I don't, you know, I'm here, right. you know, I'm here to help you. And that gets at a little bit of what you're saying, but I almost like w- would have liked a little bit more of that, like give her more to do. I mean, yes. I, I mean, I don't want to, like, I feel like it's a bad criticism or like a kind of, more of like, a, like this is this, the movie isn't this, and this is what I wish it were, but <laughs> right. I do think the movie fails a little bit at that. Like, I just think it could have been done a little bit differently. I do too. See, got, yeah. like, even when they're naming off the different Osage who have died, Mm-hmm. Uh, and their ages. I was confused almost why they chose so specific mm-hmm. Osage to name right. and not all of them. Right. Because they have a list of many names or right. those who could have been a part of the, what is it called? The reign of terror. Right. But not disclosed or not. So mm-hmm. I was, I was confused because I felt like they kept taking on a position to make commentary and then didn't. Um, and I felt that a lot for mm-hmm. Molly and Ernest because a lot of the time in the film, there would be situations where, and they even said like the Osage will sit back and be silent and it will mm-hmm. get you in a situation if you, if you speak too much, cause they know you mm-hmm. will. And while I think that worked for certain things, the Osage were very much about protecting themselves and their neighbors and making sure one another was accounted for and okay. Yeah. And they were all about community and Wakanda and being a part of this larger than life thing and no no it's okay it's just the issue i had it was there were so many things that these people continued to do to try and better their situation including molly such as um offering rewards and being a part of those things and Mm -hmm. um talking with locals um and they didn't show that and they didn't quite show the osage being productive it almost was like they were sitting in fear Mm -hmm. rather than being reactive which they were very good at doing Mm -hmm. i mean you're in a tough situation that's why i don't like the criticisms of art generally about appropriation because it's almost like you there's a fear of using the voice too much of a osage because it's like well you aren't the right person to tell that story but but then by by having that fear you 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 minimize the depth you could have given to them because you're not like telling you're not like giving them complexity you're not like uh giving them things to do and things to say. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe there's a, an issue with like the kind of the actor group that you can get that are kind of uh, of natives, you know, like I have no idea what, you know, what that kind of casting goes into all that stuff. Cause obviously there's some people like, Oh, I recognize this person. I've seen this person in other things, her, her mom, I've seen her in other, other things. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Cause even when I was younger, like there were a bunch of more movies like, um, like uh, I, I don't know why this movie is sticking out in my mind now, but a movie about Geronimo, 
And the guy, and he was also in Last of the Mohicans. He played the kind of, uh, I don't know, the kind of the bad <laughs> Indian character. But like th- th- that guy was a great actor. And I don't, so I don't know if like, cause as we're going through time, you know, the, you know, as they as they talk about like, uh, like Lily, not Lily, Molly, <laughs> played by Lily Gladstone. Molly is like a full blooded Osage, you know, and they're, they're all, it's kind of fascinating that they're, that like why or there are a lot of marrying white men. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. And that definitely, I think goes with their cultural like traditions within the film specifically where they're, they're not saying goodbye to the old they're, mm-hmm. they're embracing the old, but why not enjoy the new as well? Yeah. Because I think that was like the third time they were forced to move when they finally oh, were right. in the area. I mean, so they're like, well, we earned it at this point, well, and why sh- not enjoy yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, while reading the book, too, I mean, the, I guess the, the film lingers on this a little, almost too much on the kind of shame and the, the yes. guilt of things. But but as you're reading the book, I mean, the book kind of goes through things a little bit quickly. And it's kind of matter of fact, but you're just like, oh my God, like how do you not? think of this as this awful, tr- I mean, uh, what are you supposed to do with it? Like, right. like, I don't know. Like, this is, this is awful. Like, I don't, like, how do you, how do you take it in? You know, how are you like, do you, do you, do you fixate on it or do you let it go? You know, like there's like a, how am I supposed to handle this? And I could see the, the filmmakers, whether it's Scorsese or, or the, the screenwriter uh, who worked with them or the actors or whatever, trying to be like, how, how to portray this, how to, or even critics, honestly, trying to write about something like this and, and trying to be like, wh- where does it work? Where's it not? Cause I do think it was really well done, there, but I mean, there are parts that I could, I would like that middle part. I, I do think it would be, it would have been great to see more of like the Osage side of things. Like what were they doing? Whether, even if they were just like, this is, this is bad. We need to do something about it, but something kind of showing them together. I mean, you get a little bit of like some, you see a family outside in a car, like, going to leave right, at some leaving. point but you don't get as much of that i think that would have been cool to see a little bit more of that and you could have almost done like a and then you you do get montages but almost like a montage of some of the, the the kind of stuff you get a lot of the kind of dumb um criminals in this story you know what <laughs> right. i mean which yes. which can be funny and interesting um but also it's it's i don't know it's screen time yeah. You know, that's, and it, and like I said, it's incredible. And I think they did a really good job for such a giant story. Yeah. I mean, the book bleeds that's, history. That's it's true. It's huge. Um, but yeah. like one scene in particular, and, and this is complete bias, I will say, mm-hmm. because it's one of my favorite things in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Rita and Bill Smith. So that's Molly's sister. And then Bill was actually married to Minnie. Right, and then um, he married the other sister. Right, and there was this this kind of prior conviction or idea that maybe he was involved, and then he realized pretty quickly he isn't. I mean, there's actual affection and just re- real right. connection between him and uh, the sisters. But Bill and Rita, one of my favorite things that they conveyed, but I wish they would have added, is when they know that they're being targeted specifically, um, the Burkhart family, uh, just getting more and more suspect. Um, there's a part where Bill is really nervous. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, he simply says along the lines of, I know we don't have much time left, right. Ernest, you know, and I mm-hmm. know you're involved. But in the book, I love that he goes to the extent of buying dogs mm-hmm. and placing them at the house of the neighborhoods all the way down the street. Mm-hmm. And throughout the week, as he's moved houses as well, the dogs are slowly dying one by one. Oh, that's right. And that was such a chilling, oh my God. terrifying, like one of the parts in the book that really scared me. Like, I'm like, this is actually, 
intentionally trying to scare them. It isn't that they uh-huh. wake up and all the dogs are dead. It's it was meant to make them scared too. Sounds, um, it sounds like they should have just left. I don't know. Exactly. They knew that something was gonna happen, but I don't think anyone was expecting an explosion among gunshots and poisonings. And that and and that was I mean, that was awful too because he survives it. Yeah. And he's begging to Yeah, to yeah. be and, and he and like in the book too, especially you get a sense of like how how much pain he was in and like what agony and kind of ironically how this actually hurt their plan because they didn't die at the same time and it's like if they die at the same time the rights would have gone down to, i don't know it would have gone down to to um, to molly then or something like that right. but instead it went to him and his family um and that messed up their sort of plan for whatever that part of right it's sick you don't want to call it a pointless action because all of it is horrific right. and pointless I mean, but at the same time it's like well there's another situation yeah, and in the book, and I thought De Niro did a great job covering him. He, that guy, is like a, a total sociopath. I mean, he like, was an amazing hail. Yeah, yeah, I he think did he great. did a great job of of playing a like an awful character. There's like hu- dark humor at points, but ultimately he's like much more of like I would say kind of like an evil character than say like the killer in the killer. You know, where like the killer is like a bat. You know, has his problems too (laughs) but like but like Hale is like his like sociopathy is like uh I don't know there's like something no it's 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 almost grotesque I mean his character is it's like he's like like a serial killer he is a serial killer but he he kills in different ways which is well it's it's almost like he's a serial he's a businessman serial killer yeah oh my gosh and yeah there's that scene too this really beautiful image of like the they were there setting his fields. I think they sit in the book. They, they, mm-hmm. they set the fields on fire to collect like some money or whatever. But it's, it's kind of tied in with like Molly and, and Ernest in their house. And, but you get them kind of like burning and working, and you have these sounds like demon like images of the in the in the background. These like it's incredible. I mean, there's a scene where it almost looks like a scarecrow out there, yeah. and then they move. Right, and I didn't realize yeah, it was yeah, a the person. guy was like. Um, Putting, it seemed like he was there's a shovel or something and it was using it to pretend to be a scarecrow. Right, and I'm I'm almost yeah. gonna just pretend for myself that that was intentional right. because it's such oh. a fantastic image of his whole person. Yeah. I mean, that whole scene, the fact that just to create a little less suspicion towards him mm-hmm. and also to make a collection mm-hmm. because things aren't going as planned, and he's fine with it. Yeah, he's not even upset over the burnt field. I mean, he really is just. He could kill his family, I think, if there was some involvement of wealth or gain yeah. in it, and it, he wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, and you get, the, and you can feel in in a way. I guess I would say when you look at the underlings and people, because there are, you get a sense of like there's this one guy in particular. He got the kind of like weird eye, um, but or he didn't want to be involved in it. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. But he's so much. He's ensnared in this trap because he's done stuff before and they hold things over him he's he knows he could be killed at any moment you know and it's like he feels almost like um i don't know like he's put in a he's he has to otherwise he's dead or his family's going to be you're in your there's like there's no power there you have no power so and you can tell when he eventually is caught where he's like get your pencil or whatever i'm gonna like i'm gonna tell you this story or whatever but um you know you you worry where he and it's getting to the point, especially I can imagine, because it seemed like they got to Ernest at some point because he retracted. He was gonna he was gonna testify, and then he pulls back. Um, but yeah, then eventually, I don't know if it's the death of his daughter, at least as it's portrayed in the movie. I'm trying to remember with the book at that if those are necessarily connected. But it seems like in the movie they they portray like this is the catalyst for right, him being like right. that's enough. 
I'm like telling the truth or whatever. So, yeah. Um, and then I don't know how I can't remember in the book. It, it I guess they do after the movie is done, and he, even then, it, Molly in the movie says to him like at some point, basically like she had that great. There's that great line where it's like you could take all the the secrets and like dump them out into the the river or something like that, and they would float away, and we could start over or something like that. And he can't, like, bring himself to just tell, you know right. what I mean? I can't remember what she actually asked him. It was, but she asked uh, him to admit something. Insulin. Oh, yeah, right. What was in the insulin you gave me? Right, because she gets better once he's gone. So you, you have to think there was something they're doing. I, I think. that's But, um, so, yeah, and that was kind of, because there is a moment where she sees an owl, and her mom has that whole thing where um, when you see an owl, it's, like, part of their tradition where, like, you means your death is coming or something like that. So I thought, I'm like, oh, she's going to die. Because I saw the movie before I read the book. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, and it is. It's super macabre. Um, but, yeah, there is that kind of idea that she's slowly being poisoned, um, which is creepy because it's almost mimicking what her sister Minnie went through. Mm-hmm. But I think Minnie really did have a wasting disease. Oh, okay. Um, because her husband wasn't a part of this circle. Mm. So it's kind of an odd idea. I don't know if they took advantage of her situation. Now, in the book, Ernest wasn't trusted with the idea of actually being able to go through and kill his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of that was because when Rita and Bill's house exploded, Mm. Molly was supposed to be there with their three children that Mm. night. And the only reason she wasn't there was because Cowboy had an earache. Um, Mm. Ernest didn't even know she was spending the night that night. So it was just a circumstance that she didn't end up being there with their kids. Um, And because of that and his reaction to her having been home when it happened, Mm because I I don't think he was trusted with a lot of the information, Mm -hmm. um, but more like sending things into motion. I don't know if he ever was actually aware of what was going into the medicine, but he was aware that it wasn't helping her. Right. Which I think is just as guilty. Right. Um, But you know, it's eerie. There's an eerie idea to that. Yeah. I mean, it's just fascinating psychology, I guess, that's to like, I don't think he did anything. I mean, I don't think he had a job. No. No. And in the film, (laughs) right, right. Which is kind of an idea in the movie too. I don't think he ever was actually physically involved in any of the murders. Um, I think he was more one to help go pay people, give people rides. Mm. Um, But I don't know if he ever actually was like, yeah, because there was like Blackie Thompson and Mm -hmm. AC and his brother was involved in like Anna's death, but like, right. Oh yeah. He he was there. Um, So Yeah. And that's why, I guess that's why I was so fascinated that they chose him as kind of the catalyst of, I don't know, like the main perspective in some ways of the film. Not entirely, but for a majority. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's such a, a weak character. Right. Which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that's a really different way to portray um, a primary character in a film. Right. I think that was a strong point. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was definitely interesting just using him because he almost is so lucid throughout the film, not necessarily making strong decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, He never seems to do anything like a hundred percent correctly 
Right. Um, he's always the blame behind things going wrong. Right. Um, and he's scared throughout the whole thing. I think he's just a very scared character, especially with his uncle. And not even the, he was never aware that his uncle was going to put a hit on him. Mm. Right. Because <clears throat> that's how, I guess, what, <clears throat> would he then collect the money? You know what I mean? Like, what's the end game? Like, how does Hale get it? Exactly. Well, and that's the idea. So would he have his son marry Molly? Would he figure out another way to make their way into the family? Um, because till till the day he died, I mean, he claimed innocence. Mm-hmm. So I could have seen him trying to like, tr- I don't know, select another family. Who, who claimed innocence? Hale? Hale. Well, yeah, because he's a total psychopath. Cause, <laughs> you know, yep. I mean, that's like a, it's like, I don't know, that's like narcissist sociopath 101, 101. is like like i you never admit you're wrong like you know Move all stuff back like, yeah just, <laughs> so your neighbors yeah i don't know i mean it's a, he's a, a fascinating figure just where like he learns the language and like i can't I, I honestly can't imagine i mean you have to almost like you're like does him caring about it like that was all a facade i suppose right like i, I don't know you know like where he seemed to be a benefactor I mean, that's why he could kind of fly under the radar. It seems like it was just opportunity for, like, this is how I can do my... Or maybe, I don't know, Was did he have, like, money issues? Was he just trying to get more and more wealth? Is that the idea? Well, and I mean, he was called the King of the Osage because he owned so much mm-hmm. and because he had connections with almost everyone. Um, I don't even know at a point. I don't even know if it was about wealth. Um, right. I think a piece of him really enjoyed what he did. I think Mm -hmm. it got him more connections. Um, Right. And I really do think he treated it almost transactionally at a point. Um, Just the way that the Osage were treated, even with their head rights or being seen as dependents on the system. Um, I don't know. They weren't treated like humans for one thing um, through his transactions. Just the way he even talked to them was almost like a parent to a child. Mm -hmm. I never felt like it was, I don't know, there was autonomy in his interactions. Right. Um, No, he was a really creepy character. Um, And I think Robert De Niro did an amazing job (laughs) in portraying that coldness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Yeah, I don't know. Even when he's talking to Minnie when she's Mm -hmm. slowly passing away um, and she's just looking at him tearing and trying not to cry. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, just seeing past kind of like the warmth in his voice. There's really nothing there. Right. Yeah, he did. That's yeah. I I was really impressed with De Niro in this. So I almost thought I I wasn't expecting him to be almost in a way like. The, the lead he's almost like the most important character well he's the, you know i don't know he is he's he's the right if you're looking at killers of the flower moon as a mystery right he's the villain yeah he's the so villain he's, he's like the godfather important. he's like you know the, he's the person who's he's the kingpin kind of right. directing everything kind of the, the the crime syndicate he's the one kind of running everything so yeah but <clears throat> but he's also an interesting character just because he's so he he can he pretends warmth or he has warmth he's so cold and calculated he's he learns their language you know so he's obviously got talents he he's he can plan things out right <laughs> opening school for children right yeah uh, yeah it's fascinating because um just the whole story is just almost incredible you know it's almost beyond belief you can't 
I don't know, it's it's hard to really wrap your head around it. Just as I think that actually happened and as like a piece of art. Um, it's a fascinating movie. Any kind of final thoughts on this one? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll say that um, even today, like I think it's interesting because it is a story. I know they said it in the film and this is something that was recorded as being said is basically um, – in a couple of years, this will be forgotten mm-hmm. and it will go back to being just another everyday crime. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because that's exactly what happened. Right. It was forgotten for years and years and years until someone in the archives found um, sheets of paper with mm-hmm. pencil marking headrights and the name dead next to Osage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's really fascinating that even today on Osage territory and land, uh, they continue to struggle with the different mm-hmm. injustices, such as the windmills being mm-hmm. placed on their territory from a different country mm-hmm. um, and that being excused. It's just, I think, an interesting to have a story that has become so popular mm-hmm. and that people are interested in it. And there's an importance to being able to show what storytelling can do in our community today. Mm -hmm, For sure. Awesome. Well, these were two fun movies to talk about. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, thanks.